big data goes to your favorite artist concert on this tech edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly here at Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Friday, October 9th, 2015, and with me today is the unparalleled Dylan Lewis. How's it going today, Dylan? Pretty good, Sean. I am ready to rock. Ah, I see what you did there. Ah. (laughs) Uh, So, getting right to the point here, big story of the day. Uh, Pandora this week bought an online ticket company. Mm -hmm. Um, Are they not making any money with ads? Like, what's going on? (laughs) Well, yeah, so they are not profitable at the moment, Pandora. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's always coming, right? Like, that's the... Um, but they bought uh, Ticketfly, which is an online ticketing company based out of San Francisco. Uh, the deal was announced for $450 million, a combination of stock and cash. Is it literally 50-50? Uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a half-half okay. breakdown. Um, so they're an online ticketing company. Uh, they started out kind of in the mid-market, Ticketfly, uh, you know, appealing to some of these like 200 to 2,000 kind of so seat they, venues. are they just a smaller Ticketmaster? Like, Basically, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and a lot of the appeal, I think, for people that are looking to market events is that they kind of... Uh, they have kind of like a more robust suite. So um, rather than simply providing a platform to sell tickets, like they also have some tools for analytics and some social tools, things like that. So um, it's a little bit more appealing to people that are looking to market in general. And I think that's why they gained a good foothold in the mid-market is because, you know, you had these uh, these places with a smaller footprint that needed the the platform to get themselves out there a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, in your opinion, does this deal make sense? Because I actually I found it exciting just because this wasn't like a streaming service. You know, it, it wasn't a horizontal merger. It wasn't a streaming service merging with another streaming service. This was actually like a potentially useful, you know, move. Yeah, and I mean, it's always fun to talk M and A, right? And uh, it was interesting because the market was not too happy about it. It seemed yeah, like it was, it, it, do? it was not a favorable down reaction. I think they were down half, like yeah. you know four and a half five percent uh, on the news. So I think first off, I mean, let's just kind of look at the financials here and see what we uh, see what we're looking at. Um, you know, so I've seen some 2014 revenue estimates of 45 to 55 million uh, for Ticketfly, and that's for 2014 on like 500 million ticket bookings. So, yeah, so I mean, spread. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you Nine, you can see where they're making their commission there. Uh, and one analyst estimated 75 to 80 million in income for 2015. So. You look at the purchase price of four hundred and fifty million. You figure, you know, that's seven to nine x revenue. So this company is profitable. I don't know. I haven't looked at the books. Those, okay. Those, yeah. I mean, so like that, those are revenue estimates. Those are not income. Oh, estimates. I'm sorry. Right, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So uh, and then for context, Pandora is looking at trailing twelve month revenue of just over a billion. Um, they are not gap profitable at the moment. They are taking a loss of around like fifty million, I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a nice way to boost the top line. Um, I, you know, you look at that multiple and you say seven to nine times revenue. I think when we look at what the growth rate for the industry looks like, maybe a little bit later on in the show, uh, I, I'm personally bullish on it. Uh, you know, I, but I think uh, some people are a little scared of seeing. Yeah, that cost. I'm surprised that Wall Street didn't like this more because I understand it. I have a very uh, uh, twenty miles up, looking down view of the concert business, but. Uh, attendance is a little bit down, but as I understand it, that's how a lot of artists make their money. Yeah, like it's a profitable thing still because you can't you can't disrupt it with online free stuff. Like. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think so. So those are the financials. I think business wise, it's a very natural fit. Uh, so Pandora's service is it's kind of inherently focused on serving up content based on their music genome and all these curated user playlists, right? And so, because they, I mean, we've talked about them before. They suggest artists, like mm-hmm. they, yeah, yeah. Their their whole platform is based on very heavy curation and uh, drilling down to user interest. And so, you look at what their data profile is on a user, and it's primarily music taste and their location. 
And wow. so you bake in the idea of, you know, having some sort of uh, ticketing side of that, you know, with a commission-based, um, you know, money-making business. That seems to make sense. And I think you're leveraging users and providing them stuff that they're interested in. Uh, so so for business-wise, it makes sense. It'll be interesting to see how they integrate it. Uh, you know, I think that that might be the, the struggle a little bit. So uh, what did uh, Pandora's CEO, Brian McAndrews, talk about? He's saying... Tickets to the platform promotes in its ads often sell out instantly on the Pandora app. Yes, they've had a little bit of experience, uh, you know, selling some tickets, you know, in in small batches, things like that. Uh, He was speaking at TechCrunch Disrupt uh, when he was talking about it. Um, And he said, you know, the platform sold like 55,000 tickets to Rolling Stones concerts in like 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. Um, And, you know, like another 25,000 tickets uh, for this indie artist, Odessa. So, I mean, there's some experience there with taking that platform and that user base, I think they have about 80 million users right now, and monetizing it via or, or using it to sell concert tickets. Um, so, so I certainly think that there's some sort of attachment there. What that looks like, it's kind of hard to tell. You know, so right now, uh, in Pandora's interface, if you like a song, you know, one of the drop-downs on the, you know, the menu is uh, to buy that song in iTunes. You know, you can click yeah. through and be linked out to it. Uh, you know, I could see them building something out similar, uh, some sort of integration for ticket buying, or you know, possibly have a page like concert you, concerts you'd love, yeah. or things like that. Um, you know, I saw this really insane stat that was like forty percent of concert tickets go unsold, or something like that. This is something that's been floating around the that's internet weird, yeah. in in the wake of um, this announcement. And I think one of the big problems, and I, this is again something that uh, a lot of CEOs have talked about, is that you know you're the biggest problem with getting people to buy tickets is maybe not knowing that the act is in town. Right. And so... Um, Push notification. Yeah. And so <laughs> so another possible avenue for this is uh, doing something where it's like, who's in town? Or, you know, something like that. Or having a push notification or having like an email newsletter, like, this is who's going to be in town this month that you like based on your selections on the app. When you were doing your research, the 25,000 tickets that they sold for the indie artist um, Odeza, Odeza, I'm totally butchering that. <laughs> um, were they, did you catch anything if that was like first-time listeners or were they loyal subscribers? Like, did you get any feel for that? I, I wasn't sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, that, that actually seems like a lot of tickets for an indie artist compared to the Rolling Stones. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that's on a tour basis. You know, I don't think that's oh, okay. a, a single show. Darn. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Before we move on to the implications of uh, uh, Pandora's latest acquisition, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. There you'll discover a special offer to join the Motley Fool Stock Advisor newsletter for all industry-focused listeners. All loyal IF listeners have access to a special discount on Stock Advisor that works out to $129 for a fully two-year subscription. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. Uh, so Dylan and I are talking about uh, Pandora's acquisition of a ticket company. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dylan obviously talked about the deal, the merits. You seem to be more bullish, though, than Wall Street because Pandora stock's down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you like the move? So I think it's interesting. Some of you hinted at in the first part of the show, where you know how artists are making their money now. It is not really in selling the content. Um, you know, it's not in album sales. It's it's hardly in streaming. They're, it's hardly in streaming. One might say even. they're shaking off CD sales. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, artists are really making their money on merchandising and touring. And um, it's kind of interesting to see, in a lot of ways, Pandora kind of take a cue from the industry on this. You know, something that we've talked about on the show before is music is kind of becoming commoditized a little bit. Um, Maybe Pandora isn't as subjected to it as, you know, places like Apple Music or Spotify, where the offerings are very similar. You know, um, I think 
Pandora is a little insulated from it because their offering is a little different. But, um, you know, I like the idea of them diversifying out into another revenue stream. Um, you know, I think one of the problems with what we see with Pandora right now is they have a cost structure that is very dependent on the copyright royalty board rulings. And so if you're, you know, committees yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah, I mean, like everything for them cost wise is based on whatever, you know, accepted royalty rates are. And, uh, you know, which which poses a huge problem if you can't get your ad rates above it to work out on a scale. Of course, market based, not committee based. (laughs) Yeah. Have fun with that. (laughs) And so, yeah, it puts you in this very weird dynamic. And like, you know, it's part of the reason that they're not profitable right right now. Um, and you know another thing with Pandora is you know, like eighty percent of their revenue, roughly, uh, is coming from ads. And so something like this would lessen the company's reliance on ads. That low, I thought it'd be higher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they do have the subscription business, I know, I know. and they you know they have the referral sales and things like that on songs. Um, so another thing that we talk about on the show a lot is you know I like businesses that have a utility and are not simply you know ad reliant. And so seeing them open up a revenue stream that. You know, actually has a social this utility. This could be really it. good for them. You're, you're selling tickets yeah. and you're gaining commission on those tickets. There, there's a lot of value there, and you're not hoping that advertisers are seeing an ROI on you know their placements. So, um, real quick, just for our listeners, what does the concert industry look like right now? Because that's the interesting point about yeah. all this. Yeah, this was something I, you know, I didn't really know much about before we started researching the show, and was frankly baffled. Um, so, Polestar, you know, which is a you know uh, industry firm that takes a look at stuff like this. They estimated that the concert industry was worth $6.2 billion in 2014, which was up nearly 25% from 2013. I have a theory that uh, the concert industry has been growing like this. I mean, look where it was when I was back in the early 2000s, when I was like in high school. It was half of this, mm-hmm. less than half of this. It's insane. Like I, And I think it's because um, the music industry itself with CD sales is, is just getting destroyed by the internet and just streaming and everything. But it's also exposing us to way more artists, mm-hmm. like way more. The num- amount of content that we're getting right now is astronomically more. Yeah, you pay, you, you. What's a subscription for the premium? Uh, uh, like ten bucks a month, something. Well, yeah, yeah. For, depending on depending on the provider, but like Spotify would be like ten bucks a month. Yeah, Apple Music. That's one hundred and twenty dollars a year. Mm-hmm. That would ten years ago have bought you ten CDs. Yeah, if you're. I mean, if you're lucky. If yeah. you're lucky. And so, and users aren't spending that money on CDs now. So they're not. And, so. I, and I think there's a movement towards supporting artists right. and going out and seeing them. Right. Uh, so I think it's part of the reason that we're seeing this rise. Um, and with that, with that kind of growth, just comes a huge opportunity. Um, you know, you look at what's going on right now in the landscape. I think it's an industry that's pretty ripe for disruption. Uh, you basically have one major player, uh, Ticketmaster, who's owned by Live Nation. Um, so in the past year, I've seen a couple of reports. Um, they processed roughly 450 million tickets worth somewhere around 23 billion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. I mean So, can you give me a feel just before we move on real quick? Um the the company that Pandora bought, what kind of venues are these artists playing at? Are they it's not like the huge it, it's not the concerts at the Verizon Center like Taylor Swift. It's more like the smaller venues that have like Room for 400 people. Did you get any sense of that at all? Yeah, they really carved out their niche in uh, two to like two, 200 to like 2,000 person okay. venues. Yeah. And, you know, actually living here in DC, I've bought a lot of tickets off of Ticketfly. Okay. Because, so you have experience with Yeah, this, and yeah. I mean, it's a great platform. It's really no different than using uh, Ticketmaster or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's perfect for those venues. Um, and, I, you know, I, I see it a lot. You know, it's like tickets that are somewhere in the neighborhood of, 
you know, 15 bucks to 40 bucks or something like that. You see a totally lot of ticket fly events going out on a Friday night. Yeah, exactly. Um, what are the criticisms of this? Like what? Why didn't the stock jump? Why don't they see the opportunity here? I think some people are a little concerned about uh, taking on Ticketmaster, you know, owned by Live Nation, uh, and just trying to kind of take down someone that is so established in the place. Uh, yeah, I don't see it, especially with such a huge growth opportunity in the industry. Um, and you know, talking about how many un- unsold tickets there were before, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a lot of market there that's not being captured. Um, I like the fact that it's not a very fragmented space. Yeah, you know, I think it's a lot easier to chip away at one big player and then kind of carve yourself out. Whereas right. if you're coming into a landscape with like ten mid-level players, you know, it's a little tougher. Well, and they've they're not even competing directly with Live Nation per se because you know Ticketmaster owned by Live Nation. Uh, I mean, it's, it's different artists. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, and it, it's very uh, venue dependent as well. Right. You know. Um. So you know, some smaller places just simply aren't going to work with Ticketmaster because they don't have the scale to make it work. Um. So, you know, like that's another thing to kind of keep in mind. Right. So, bringing it back around, what's the outlook for Pandora now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they've been moving around a lot lately. Uh, you know, so late September, the stock surged. Um, and this was largely driven by U.S. Copyright Office, uh, one of their panels, deciding that a relationship that they have, uh, a royalty rate agreement with Merlin, which is an indie label rights agency, was considered a reasonable benchmark for future um, royalty rate negotiations. So it wasn't a, it was not a lawsuit, but um, it's more of a, a panel deciding that this is an acceptable precedent. Right. And so the big thing, kind of coming down the pike for Pandora, and this is something that's been widely reported on, is uh, the Copyright Royalty Board and the webcasting IV decision uh, that should be coming out in December, and that's basically going to be setting royalty rates for the next five years. Wow. And so you're going to get a very firm idea of what Pandora's cost structure looks like around then. Right. Um, So the reason that the stock popped earlier this fall is because uh, the relationship that Pandora has with Merlin is much more favorable than what SoundExchange, which is a big representative group, is calling for. Uh, You know, it's about half the rates right now. So... um, you know, you could see a dramatic swing depending on which way that direct, you know, which direction that decision goes. Um, I will say, you know, so I am uh, a Pandora shareholder. I bought it a while. <laughs> Full disclosure, I think. I think it's worth noting. Um, and you know, like I bought in my cost basis is you know well below what it's at right now. Um, I'm holding. I think it would be wise to stay on the sidelines right now because. Uh, there is a very binary aspect yeah. of the business in the coming months. So uh, if you're buying Pandora right now, you're setting yourself up to either uh, – you don't really know what the cost structure is going to look like. And so uh, I wouldn't want to subject myself to that. Yeah. So the big decision is in December mm-hmm. with Copyright uh, copyright Royalty Board deciding uh, webcasting for and sets royalty rates for the next five years. Um the the ruling that you know caused the stock to pop in September and everything was that like a preliminary? This is what we're thinking kind of thing. What was that in relation to what's happening in December? Uh, it's just kind of identifying what can and can't be considered for, okay. for these negotiations. So so it's like what's acceptable in terms yeah. of a precedent. Yeah, I wonder if it's kind of a link. Anyway, all yeah. right. Yeah. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Dylan. It's always a pleasure, Sean. I have a good one. You too. And if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Dylan Lewis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.